0: Hi and welcome to Designer vs. Developer with me, Mustafa, Design Advocate at Google. This week we're speaking to Soleil Pernandez, engineering manager at Mozilla. We're talking about developer tools and CSS Grid, and we also dive into variable fonts. Make sure you check it out. Layout in CSS in the web has changed quite substantially from when I started. I remember it's like it was like table layouts and stuff like that. Um, what do you think about the evolution of layout on the web? Like before it's like you had to design stuff in Photoshop and then export everything, but now everything seems to have evolved quite substantially.
1: Well, I guess we've just made things very real time, very dynamic, like you don't separate the engine from the designer or like the designer too, so you could like maybe mingle everything together. Um, but I guess we've learn from print and we've taken their, you know, their technologies or their paradigms, And we're just trying to make it work for everyone in the browser instead of just his print, his browser with this never ending stream of text that works very well for like doctoral thesis, but possibly not for documents that people want to read. Um, So it's been painful. That's why I think (laughs) it's been long and I guess it, it shows that designing things by committee takes time. But eventually, if you have enough interactions with people from different backgrounds, you get to a point where things are useful for everyone—not yeah. just, you know, scientists in CERN, in <laughs> you know, in whatever the place it is. Um, but I think it's apart from painful and you know, long and draggy. I think it's very exciting now because you can design something in a way that makes sense rather than using hacks and like, you know, having to consult the encyclopedia of true, one true layout hacks so you yeah. can make it look like sensible. Um, but it, it, the interesting thing is that it is truly responding to the whole idea of the web as running multiple types of devices. Yeah. So you don't just design for Internet Explorer at 1000 whatever resolution. Yeah. Maximize window, you're like I have no idea where you're going to be reading this. So I'm just going to be responsive So I think that's very good and I I remember when I was starting web like my boss would be like this has to be looking nice in this maximize window I'm like no one has the window maximize and he was like yeah, it has to be like this And I was like the web is supposed to be dynamic. It has to be rendered differently But that would not work at the time because everyone was using windows and you know (laughs) this browser Um, but nowadays, is you can't predict what people are using or how they are reading that, so you have to design for this wide gamut of options. And I think that's very interesting. The layout is fin- finally like supporting you in that, so that you know designers don't hate browsers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about CSS grid and Flexbox?
1: Mm, I think that's generally exciting. And, you know, Flexbox got up to like a bad foot because there were like three or four implementations. Well, yeah. I think two or three. Um, and none of them were really compatible, so that quite didn't work. With Grid, I think we, we learned the lesson and finally everything gets together at the same time with all the browsers. Yeah. Um, so that was good, because you you know that it's supported in phones, yeah. <laughs> which is what, well, again, most people use to browse. Um, so it makes it so much easier, like once you grasp how it works, it's very easy, whereas with you know, with floats and all the things from your, it was really, really hard to do. And you had to add lots of extra markup that makes it very hard to maintain. So nowadays, you can have very simple layouts, which are very easy to understand and maintain, which I think is important. It's not just like building it, but also being able to change it afterwards and not having to add more and more CSS to override the previous CSS. (laughs) Um, And, you know, every person that comes into the um, company adds like... 100 more lines, and at the end you have this gigantic CSS file that no one understands, and it's full of important. (laughs) So you kind of write everything.
0: Like I remember when I first was getting into coding, it's like the thing, the tool that really helped me understand it was like when Firebug was like the first developer tool mm. and then uh, Firefox had the developer tools integrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really was like, it was the aha moment. Now I understand the box model. Now it makes sense. Yeah. When I saw um, the developer edition, like your, the layout for Firefox, I was like, this is amazing. Now I can, I can finally see, like visualize the code, which I always found was like, why haven't we had this tool in the beginning? Like this, was, this is exactly what makes perfect sense. And I mean, I, I did the course that Wesbos, that um, mm-hmm. you guys uh, commissioned. And it was like, oh my god, now it makes sense because it's like I, the flexbox syntax. I found a bit confusing because again, I was used to float, negative margin, yes. you know, because that you just become trained to this hacky way of creating yeah. things.
1: You have to learn about things and yeah. be like, forget everything you knew before. Forget about slicing images. Forget about generating images. Just you can just use text and just load the typography that you want, and you don't have to be like, you know, with this old gifts And do you remember when you had to like? limit the amount of colors yeah (laughs) that was horrible (laughs) Um, but yeah now you can just like use sensible things and like use the browser to tell you this is how it's going to look like instead of like what you have to do in photoshop where sometimes you made it but then it didn't really look the same because you know but the other interesting thing here is that writing tools which is where I i work in the developer tools that's Quite challenging because we could expose lots of internals to you, yeah. and they would make no sense. <laughs>
0: <Absolutely>. <laughs>
1: because the amount of data that I can show you is really huge, but you also have to carefully measure how much am I going to show you. Like, like, I don't know. That's why you need UX designers on the team, so you can like work with someone who can make things not incredibly look like. Um, so you can. How could I explain this? Um, You can. I'm getting blank mode. That's
0: fine. So I mean, I mean, so uh, I think that's an interesting point, though. So you're talking about, um, although you have the opportunity to uh, expose everything to the user or the maker, Mm -hmm. the web designer, it's making that choice from a UX perspective of designing the tools, so that you could empower them with everything. Mm but that also you could make the UX really bad by giving them stuff that they, they shouldn't really be thinking
1: Yes, well. I think that's where I wanted to go to. Like at the beginning, the tools were basically for the engineers in the browser to be able to diagnose what what's going on there. But now we're we them lots and lots of visual features to like, you know, like CSS to the engine everything. Yes, you need to diagnose. And I have seen tools that engineers have built where everything's flashing, yeah. <laughs> like using like all these re-layouts or these redrawings. But that's not actually useful for designers. So that's why we need designers to be involved in designing the tools as well, yes, so yeah. that we are giving you tools and information that is what you actually need, rather yeah. than what the engineer needs. Like the engineer maybe just needs to diagnose how many phones are there in the system and how many glyphs do they have. The designer doesn't care about that. Yeah. The designer might want to see what you were mentioning, like variable phones, what can I use here? Where, where are the things I can change? Um, so I think, I think that's very interesting. Like, It just takes us from, as a browser maker, it just takes us from like, okay, I'm an engineer providing this feature to you, to, okay, how can I make this feature useful and accessible to you, and so that we can all work together and you can make best use of this feature I have implemented for you? Because there's no point, right, in implementing a feature if no one's using it. So I I think it's such an interesting
0: battle or work or process. I mean I remember someone saying that like round CSS like rounded corners was like the biggest bane back in the day to do them with so many different hacks. Yeah. And the moment it became supported by browsers designers stopped designing anything yes, with rounded it was, corners. It <laughs> <laughs> it's like too little too late. Yes. But the thing with tools is um in typography it's like the thing that uh, ruined it for a lot of typographers is when photoshop and these design tools made it really easy to change the font sizes because mm-hmm. back in the days like you wouldn't have a f- specific font for mm-hmm. uh, font size 14 and the the the, the metal plates will be very different for 18 and whatever but then when you had the design tools you just changed the size and almost for classical typographers for that this is really irresponsible you're destroying it by creating these tools mm-hmm. we've reached a similar point now with variable fonts where you have if a typographer um, designs all these settings and you expose this to the developer, they could end up doing really bad things, like things which are illegible thinking, oh, this is really cool. Um, so as, as a tool maker, I mean, what, do you, what are the considerations that you think that you need to think okay. about?
1: Okay, okay. On one hand, I'm very open to people going totally wild and just like getting creative because that's part of what motivates me to work on Mozilla. Like yeah. I want everyone to be able to do whatever they want to do on the web. Like if it's tacky and ridiculous, all the better. Like just think 90s, GIFs, colors, all very psychedelic. I'm fine with that. Like we look back on that and we're like, oh, those were the times. So maybe <laughs> once variable phones get in, we will be like, oh, this was so much fun. And then people will go like back to like very minimalist and like very composed websites. I I'm not against that. But then if I Get into this kind of like maternalism. model, be like, okay, let me help you, and let me tell you. Like maybe you want to build a tool that says, hey, maybe you're adding too many variations of this font. This can be a bit overwhelming for people with certain disabilities, yeah. or this is not readable, or you know, like I'm, I, I can kind of like the two sides. Like you can be very creative on the web, and also like maybe you can advise people. They can take or not the guidance. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but as as Browser makers, we have this unique insight on, this is not going to work well in certain circumstances. And I think also, as Mozilla, we have this responsibility to be like, hey, you know, some people can't withstand this kind of like flashy colors. Um, So we can maybe warn the user. We are not doing that yet, but we are maybe thinking of maybe doing that because you know what's been rendered and what is being parsed. So, you know, the features are active. Um, So we should use that data instead of just like passively um, display the output.
0: So what you're saying is, it's you want to give the 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 users of the browser, which may be the developer, which is slightly different mm. from these for the tool side. You want to give them um, the control and power, but at the mm. same time making sure that they consider the real users of the tech. Yeah,
1: and it's also cool because we, you know, with um, with the newer features that were added to to animations in CSS, you can control them with JavaScript. So you can do things like while well, this user has selected not to have animations. So if they have selected to have less motion, I can reduce the animations, go okay. back to a more consider and compose kind of typography and distract them less so they can be more, you know, able to access the content without being interrupted by my flashy creativity. So I, I guess it's cool that we are giving them all this control, but also we need to let them know that there is all these considerations that you have in mind because some people, you know, this is such a wild field, you can't know everything, yeah, so I think it's responsible to give you the power, but also give you the awareness that, hey, this might be triggering people's scissors, so maybe you don't want that yeah. <laughs> so okay. that's, that's that's very interesting. that's why I think it's such an interesting work to work sorry. such a, an interesting field to work on because it gives you some this incredible amount of power, but also you're like. Why am I enabling people to do <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of scary and exciting at the same time. but yeah,
0: it feels like we're in the golden age of our sort of industries like we've gone through so many iterations of just how to animate stuff from the flash to now we can do it mm-hmm. natively in the browser to layout uh, where we used to do crazy things with spacer GIFs. It seems like a really exciting time to actually be creating stuff.
1: It is and although I would say, that the transition from Flash to not Flash hasn't been completed because people, like designers really like Flash because they could draw and just export and it will be there, but we don't have that thing, or at least if that exists, it's not as available. Yeah. Like whatever is exported to JavaScript, like you used to have like the Flash runtime as a runtime, now you have JavaScript as a runtime, but you don't have the authoring tools. Yeah. Or if there are, they're not as widely common and available. So people are missing out on that and it's harder for a creative to get into this whole, let's get into Flash and publish in the web. Like you can't really, you can't do that, but it's a bit harder with JavaScript because there is so many options. Yeah. So it, I guess it's a bit like the Wild West yeah, of, yeah, of creativity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe Flash was kind of like the article era and we are now in the Wild West. We just need some more time and give maybe more libraries, more support. And also I guess, giving people the license to just do whatever they want. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's like the, you know, the, the JavaScript police comes and says, like, you're doing this wrong. This is not how it should be done. Yeah. There wasn't that much of that in the Flash era. So people were giving themselves the license. A little more
0: free, creatively. Yeah,
1: because people were not like looking at your code. I mean, maybe they could go and get the bytecode and they compile <laughs> and be like, oh, this is terrible. But that would be like really going too far. But with JavaScript, it's way easier to just open the tools and be like, hmm. Look at that! Oh,
0: look at that! Using that library, that's terrible. Yeah, though.
1: yeah. So I guess we're missing a bit of that kind of like tool set for creatives. Um, but at the same time,
0: I think the the layout tool that is in uh, Firefox. Yeah. I think that I think that's the future. Like where people hmm. d- bridging the gap between turning the browser into a design tool hmm. rather than just a, 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 cons- a, a consumes yeah <laughs> a consumption or viewing tool. Yeah. Um, and I think that's Um, where once that is nailed, I think everything will change or will fall into place perhaps.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, that's one of the things that we're trying and I guess Chrome and Edge are also trying, like every time you publish a feature, you want to make sure that the support and the tools is there so that it's exposed to users and they can, you know, work with it and edit. And also, I think we discussed this before, like every person learns in a different way. Yeah. So some people, but might prefer some visual tools, or people might just prefer code. Like some people like clicking, others like typing. So I think it's very cool that we're showing this kind of like visual interface for designers who are thinking of layout, not just thinking of you know column and tracks and names of tracks, <laughs> which is very abstract. So I guess that's just the first step step. And I don't know where this is going to finish. Like I'm like, what's next? What's next? Like <laughs> when I'm like looking at designs from the designer, I'm like, kind of like, I'm sorry, Victoria, I'm looking at your designs in silence, but um, it's kind of like wondering what's going to happen next. And it's very intriguing to like, trying to guess where we're going, because um, we're now talking like these 2D screens, but then you're like, what happens if we take reading through into 3D? Like, can we design, I don't know if the spec covers that for, you know, for web VR, like, yeah. can we put text in 3D? I don't know, I haven't even checked that, but like, there are all these m- means that we can use, and I'm not sure that everything works in the same way, but it's, it's interesting to start thinking about, I don't know, how do you combine some messages with some tools, yeah. and how you don't. <laughs> <laughs> because um, there was this article of this guy trying to work the whole day in WebVR and obviously he got a big headache. Like, no, this is not something you should be doing. Like, I don't think this is the future. But maybe for more immersive technologies, this might be interesting. But how do you design tools for inspecting 3D worlds that make sense? Yeah, like, even, because it it starts involving, like, attention and psychology and like, all these, you know, like, all the science of perception. Like, if I'm looking at you, if you were a VR object, if I'm looking at you very intensely, I guess I should be double clicking on you because that's what well, it yeah. would be conveying. But like, maybe I'm just like glancing at things and it doesn't mean that I'm interested. It means that I'm like curious, but how do you, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like, I think it's a very intriguing feature, but I'm not really sure I can get into that yet. <laughs> Mostly because I also get a headache. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm just the same with print and things. That, grid, um, kind of like 2D world. Um, But yeah, I just, it's cool. We're trying to extend it to, you know, like flex as well because grid was great. Uh, So because it was great, we want to have flex support as well. It's also a bit tricky, right? Because people are trying to do with flex things that should be done with grid. Yeah. But because flex was first, people are kind of like still having bad habits. So we kind of need to tell them, stop doing that. You need to use this for this whole thing. So yeah you know, it's trying to, I guess, cover all those gaps that we've had for so long, because you could only control things with code. And now maybe you can control them with sliders and (laughs) color pickers or whatever the proper interface is, because now everything is right with a slider. So it's it's interesting. Um, and scary as well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much.
1: You're welcome.